morning and welcome to 1C. Would you please rise for our first song?
Let us go to God in prayer. Great gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this morning that you do hear us, that you hear us all the time when we cry out to you, Lord, spare us, save us. Lord, one of the things that this morning I pray to you that you give us that peace, that love, that comfort that only you can give. When our world is rocked and we're just hanging on by a thread, Lord, I know that you're right there with us. And Lord, we pray, we pray so big that that's one of the things that you'll never forget us, you'll never forsake us. Lord, this morning, we ask that the message we're about to receive, the music that we play, the fellowship that we're in together here with, that all of this be blessed by you. We pray all of this in the awesome name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. seated. Let's pray. Lord, we do ask that you, you would steady our heart. As we reflect on what your word, the scriptures tell us, part of that is um, stirring. Uh, to know that we're sinners, to know that we fall short, to know that we would deserve death, that is uh, troubling. 
But we thank you that your word also tells us that in your son Jesus, there is forgiveness and life and salvation. And so we thank you that you have reached out to this world. You have blessed all of us with your son and for all that he accomplished on that cross. And we thank you, Lord, for his resurrection. We praise you that his resurrection means our resurrection. His victory means our victory. And the peace that he has brought is a peace that we have now with you. So we pray, Lord, that your spirit would keep stirring within us a deeper understanding of who you are and how you love us and also the desires you have for your children. Thank you, Lord, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. And that is the, the rhythm of life, right? Uh, God blesses us. He loves us. We sin. We fall short. We turn to him, and he forgives us again and again. The good and gracious nature of God. Uh, as we continue in worship, just a couple quick announcements. Um, I see that we do have some guests here today. Delighted you're with us in worship. We'd love to start communicating back and forth with you, answer your questions. So if you would text uh, 1C guest to 94,000, and uh, then we could be able to answer your questions and perhaps give you some more information about mission and ministry here at 1C. Uh, if you're here today and you have a prayer request, whether it's a prayer of thanksgiving or a prayer of concern, feel free to text 402-242-5051, and those uh, prayer requests will be uh, brought into this service, and we'll be able to include you in prayer today, um, and in fact, throughout the week as we lift those up. And uh, for those of you that are on Facebook Live, you can use the comments section as well, and then we'll be able to use those prayers and have them in our worship. Also, again, we just, we just are wanting to remind all of us, God has blessed us. He's given us everything we have. The breath we just took to the gifts and abilities and talents that you have, and God wants us to use those for his glory and to bless other people. So I always tell people, just pray, Lord, how can I be a blessing to others with the gifts you've given me? So just be wrestling with that and asking that, and then be willing to follow his lead. And then the last one has to do with communion. Here at 1C, we have communion at every service now. Uh, we believe it's a great gift God has given us, and we uh, get to receive it. And if you came in today, hopefully you were able to stop at the family gathering area at the kitchen window. We have elements, bread and wine or bread and juice, available. And uh, then a little later we'll be using these, but let me just remind you who this is for. This is a gift that Jesus gave 2,000 years ago in that upper room. And this gift is given to those who believe that Jesus is present in this meal and who desire to live a life pleasing to God. And that's uh, the gift that God has given. So if you haven't received these elements during the next song, feel free to make your way out into the family gathering area where you can find these elements and be ready for communion a little bit later. May God continue to bless us as we worship him. my old friend I've come to talk with you again because this fog of doubt is not lifting convinces me that you are not listening and the darkness that takes residence in my brain still silence in my struggle I walked alone loneliness became my own no words of comfort could restore my hope despair had brought me to the end of my rope and the 
the sound of silence And in his perfect light I saw A million people, maybe more People who had run this race before sound of silence I child sing out your pain I know depression like a cancer grows hear my words that I might teach you take my arms that I might reach you don't let my words like silence Whispers in the sound of silence. Boys and girls. I don't know about your parents, but I like to drink coffee in the morning. I like to drink a lot of coffee. But I really like to drink coffee out of handmade mugs. And I like doing that because it makes the coffee, that time of drinking the coffee, more special. Because it makes me think about the friends that I've met that are potters or a certain time, a memory from the past. And um, potters all mark their mugs um, in a certain way so that we know that they made them. And so I drink mugs out of coffee cups that I've made, or I drink coffee out of coffee cups I've made and other people have made. And here's just a picture of just a few of the mugs that I have um, from our, our collection. Um, I like to collect mugs. So some of those are friends of mine that made those, some of them I made. Um, and I brought some here with me this morning to show you um, and tell you a little bit about it. Because it's really neat, when I get to pick which mug I'm gonna drink out of that day, it makes me either remember a good friend or that memory of getting the mug or a time in my life. And so it makes it a little more special when I drink the coffee. Like this mug, you look at the bottom there, and it's my friend Steve, he uses a spiral stamp that he stamps in there on all of his pots to know that, that he made them. And Steve is a good friend of mine that I've known for over 25 years. And I got to see him this summer when we went camping in Indiana. Steve lives in Indiana. And I picked up this mug at his studio when we got to spend the day with him. And so that, that's a good memory of a, a close friend. And then I have this mug. I made this mug, but my kids decorated it for me one year for Christmas when they were really little. And uh, it's really special to me because Romy drew the picture of our family on it. And then Grayson wrote Dada on there. And then they wrote a little note on the back. And um, so that is a special memory of mine as well have another mug here, a friend Mark who lives in Ohio. Um, and if you look at the bottom there, there's an M and an N stamped on the bottom. His name's Mark Knopfsinger. And he made that mug. And so I think of Mark when I drink out of this mug and I spent a summer working with him between uh, years of college. Um, also have this mug. If you look at the bottom of him, uh, Lynn Leis, he writes his name with iron oxide on the bottom of his pots. And Lynn's a potter that I met um, in Ohio going to workshops every year. I would see him every year. But he lives in Maryland. But I, I got to visit him 
visit his studio one year when I was traveling to Baltimore to an art festival. And so I got to pick up one of Lynn's mugs and uh, remember that time. And the last one here, I never got to meet this potter. Um, honestly, don't even know who he is. But I picked up this mug um, right after my wife and Kate and I got married. We went on a honeymoon to the Smoky Mountains. And when we were on our honeymoon in the Smoky Mountains, we picked up this mug. And so this just reminds me of my wife and our honeymoon and, and first getting married together. So that's a special one to me as well. So it's really fun to drink out of these mugs and remember those things. And I wanted to give you something, boys and girls, that was handmade too. So on your way in, hopefully you saw those magnets stuck to the pole out there. If you didn't, get one on your way out. Um, and it's a handmade magnet, but I didn't stamp it with my initials on it. It's stamped with a cross. Because I want you to remember, boys and girls, that just like this magnet is stamped and marked with a cross, you are marked with a cross too. When we are baptized, we are given the sign of the cross on our forehead and on our heart, marking us as a child of God. And through faith in Jesus, we take hold of that truth that we are loved children of God. And then also when we go out into this world, we get to take that mark with us. We are marked by Jesus marked with the cross, we are filled with the love of God, and so we get to take that with us. When we go to school, we go to a neighbor's house, a friend's house, the store, to a playground, wherever we go, we can take that mark of Jesus with us. And just like when I drink my morning coffee out of a special mug marked by a friend, we get to make those moments when we interact with other people special because we're marked by Jesus as God's love-forgiven children. So take that home with you. If you didn't get one yet, grab one on your way out. And when you look at it, remember that you are a love-forgiven child of God. And as you go out into this world, you take that mark with you wherever you go. And you can make the moments that you spend with other people special because you are marked by Jesus. And you can share his love with others. All right, let's pray. You fold your hands, bow your head, bow your head and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, please help others to see the mark you've given us as we share your love with those around us. Amen. Amen. Um, I have lots of mugs too and there's there's one mug that we have from good friends from Denmark and for me it's almost like this conditioned response when I hold that mug in my hand and I'm just thinking about our great friends and the times we have over the years the response is thanksgiving and rejoicing but isn't life really filled with one condition and response after another See if you know what I'm talking about. In summertime, when I was a kid growing up, I would hear this sound out on the streets. It was like music, and it was connected to a truck driving through the neighborhood. What was that all about? Ice cream. And let me tell you, condition response, I think I would start drooling. I'd make my way over to my mom or my dad or anyone that has money, and I would say, hey, 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 the truck is coming, the truck is coming. And they would give me the money, I would go out there and I'd go get my ice cream, and life was good. Condition response. And I don't think I've heard a truck um, in Columbus area yet. I don't know if there is one, but you know, if you, if you know of any, let me know, because I like ice cream. Um, there's other condition responses out there too, right? Some may not be so good. Example, if the condition is my mother saying, wait till your father gets home, my response is different than if a truck were coming through with the music playing. I'd be kind of shaken. I'd be looking out the window. I'd be hoping that he would be late and not come home for a while, and then he'd come home. Or if I would see the yardstick, see my mom was like four foot eight, and she could never catch us, so she would use a yardstick to kind of give us a little reminder. So I'd see, even today when I see the yardstick, I'm like, you know, I start twitching and stuff like that. Or how about this? My wife likes one kind of perfume, Tresor. I don't know if anybody knows that, if I'm even saying it correctly. But let me tell you, 
If I buy her that perfume, she smiles. She gives me a kiss and a hug. I mean, it's kind of nice. And you would think I'd buy it, you know, all the time for her. I'm, I'm kind of cheap, so I don't always buy it. But there is a conditioned response. Our life is filled with it. And I believe that there is a conditioned response in the church. I believe that when the word of God is preached and proclaimed, the Holy Spirit is there. When the Holy Spirit is there, certain attributes or responses are found in the church. That's what we've been doing throughout the book of Acts. We're coming up on next week is the last week as we've been going through the book of Acts. There are 28 chapters. We're only in chapter 10. I'm going to take a break, and next summer we'll come back and and look at the book of Acts again. But so far, when the Word of God was present, when the Holy Spirit was there, these are some of the things that have taken place in the church about 2,000 years ago. Advocates of healing, courageous, prayerful, generous, ministers, humble, missionaries, evangelists, change, sent saints, bold, kingdom attentive, like we talked about last week. This week it's witness. You know, when the Holy Spirit's present, when the Word of God is doing its thing, the church and the people who make up the church are witnesses of Christ. And then next week, we're going to end our series on when the Holy Spirit is present, when the Word of God is moving in the hearts of people, we are a joyful group of people. So that's where we're going to end. So this is the journey. Today we're going to stop at the the phrase uh, to be a witness, and we're going to look at this um, individual named Cornelius. If you recall, last week we left Peter in Joppa, and he was staying, staying with somebody named Simon who was a tanner. And so he's still there in Joppa, which is south of where Cornelius is. So let's uh, give you a little history, a little uh, background. Uh, the Bible tells us that, that a certain man was in Caesarea. Now, Caesarea was predominantly a Roman city on the shores of the Mediterranean in Judea. It was the headquarters of the Roman governor of the province of Judea. In fact, archaeologists have done a little bit of digging, and they had found the inscription of Pontius Pilate on one of the findings they've had. And if you recall who that was, that was the person who put Jesus on trial about 2,000 years ago. We also know from Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. So 32 such Italian cohorts were stationed in the different provinces of the empire. They were made up of Italian volunteers and were considered the most loyal Roman troops. Now, if you are a centurion, if you look at the word centurion, it gives you an idea. He's in charge of 100 men. And these people were there to, well, kind of keep order in the uh, region. Uh, But they were also loyal servants of the oppressors of Israel. So they kept um, Israel intact. And that's uh, really what Rome was doing. Um, So almost every patriotic Jewish person of that day would be naturally prejudiced against Cornelius. So if you were a Jewish person, you would always kind of take a step back. You would never associate with somebody like that if you were a good Jewish person. Let me say that again, because I want you to capture the emotion behind it, the attitude behind it, uh, the action behind it. If you were a good Jewish person, you would not associate with somebody like that. You would keep your distance. You would have nothing to do with them. Okay? All right. Now we find that he, there's something unique about him. He was a devout man, a man who feared God, who prayed to God always, and who gave alms generously to those who were in need. So, yes, he was powerful, yes, he was prominent, yes, he had people, you know, under his direction, but there was also something spiritual about him. He prayed. He gave, you know, to charity, and um, he cared about the community. But I'm going to say with almost all certainty, there is something missing. I think he was just spiritual in nature, 
and he was not a Christ follower yet. 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 So, he was a good man, but not good enough. There was still something missing. And isn't that true of every human being that has walked the face of the earth? I mean, I've met really nice people. I've, I've met people that have done incredible things for society and for others. And yet, if they don't have Jesus, they're missing something significant, something um, very important. So, it's on the heart of God. God knows that Cornelius is a good man, but he was missing something. So here's what happens. So if you would picture, here's up in Caesarea, here's down in Joppa, 30-mile distance. Uh, God comes to Cornelius in a dream, in a vision, in a moment. An angel of the Lord comes and speaks to, uh, to uh, Cornelius. And ultimately he says, you need to go, and you need to go to Joppa, and you need to go to Peter. There's a message there for you. So Cornelius sends two of his regiment to make their ways down 30 miles to go and to get Peter. All right? Now at the same time, Peter is having a vision. Uh, it's almost like a trance. He goes up on top of a, a roof, and he is there. He, he hadn't eaten for a while, um, so he is in this place, and Jesus all of a sudden comes to him and visits him and gets his attention. And ultimately, he's going to teach Peter the importance of reaching out to all people, even somebody like Cornelius. Well, here's the, the issue at hand, not just for Peter, and uh, not just for Cornelius, and not just for Peter, but for people like you and me. What was going on here? There's a difference between religion and having a relationship. Now, for Cornelius, it was kind of like a religion. He was doing some good things. He had prayer down. He had giving down. I mean, maybe he was thinking, that's good enough. But it wasn't a relationship with Christ. It wasn't this um, intimate moment between the God of the universe and Jesus and somebody named Cornelius. But I also think that Peter was still struggling with this religion versus relationship. Now, why do I say that? Well, let me go to here. This is, this is the end result of a conversation between Jesus and Peter. When Peter was in that, on that roof and he was having that conversation with Jesus, Jesus speaks to Peter and says, what God has made clean, do not call common. And here's what was going on. At a certain point, Jesus says, Peter... I want you to go, kill, and then eat. And Peter, in a sense, really kind of stood back and said, wait, wait a minute, I don't do that. I don't eat unclean or common things. I only do this. Jesus' response is this. What God has made clean, do not call common. And so if God wants to clean Cornelius... If God wants to reach out to somebody who is on the outside, that's what God can do. And he wants to use Peter to bring the message. And that's where we find this moment now. I'm going to just share with you some uh, biblical teaching that Peter was doing, not just for Cornelius, but all for the people that were around. And he, he touches on some important topics that I would hope that if you and me were, were to grab hold of, it would also help us in our journey too. Like the first thing, Jesus, and I'll just use the word alone, is the bringer of true peace. Peter says, you know the word which he, God, sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace by Jesus Christ. So in essence, Cornelius, in essence, everyone that was listening back then, if you want peace with God, it's not by what you do, it's by what God has done. And isn't that the difference between religion and relationship? A religion is those moments where we sit back and say, okay, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Obviously, God is going to take that into consideration when he looks at somebody like me. 
But the truth is, us coming to church, us giving our offerings or tithes, us serving or going to a Bible class, it has nothing to do with us being saved or with us having peace with God. Rather, those things are just a kind of a response to the condition that God does because of Jesus. So Cornelius, Peter, you and me, if we want true peace, it can only come from one person, and it's Jesus. And I wonder, just I wonder, for Cornelius' sake, did that give him freedom now, finally, that he can have peace because of one person named Jesus? All right, then we go to um, the fact that Jesus is Lord of all. You know the word which he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all, which means Lord is, he is over all. I mean, even over Pontius Pilate, even over Caesar, even over all the power of Rome, yes, this Jesus is the ultimate He is the one that really holds heaven and hell in his hands. He is the one that created the heavens and the earth. He is the one that has done this all. He is the one that we look to. And again, this is what he's talking about to somebody named Cornelius who is just trying to figure out life. Jesus, a man anointed with the spirit and power. He says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and with power. Again, just focusing to the fact that this person that walked on the face 33 and a half years, the one that Cornelius probably heard of, this is the person who has the spirit and the power. Jesus, a man stronger than sin and Satan, he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Again, this Jesus is unique. Jesus, a man who was killed in spite of his goodness and were witnesses to all that he did, both in the county, um, country of, Ju- of the Jews and in Jerusalem, they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. Jesus, alive from the dead and raised by God. But God raised him on the third day and made him manifest, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Jesus crucified, Jesus alive. And then finally, Jesus is the judge of all people. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. So he's going one after another about this Jesus. Who he is, what did he do, and what does it mean for Cornelius? What does it mean for everyone that was listening to that? And then we finally get to this. While Peter was still saying this, so while he was still preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. So here's a question. How much of the word of God are you listening to? And how much of that Holy Spirit is falling upon you? And I'm going to tell you And I'm going to admit, in my life, there are times I'm reading the Word of God and I feel the Holy Spirit. But then there are also times when I get busy and I get distracted, I get sidetracked, where I don't hear the Word of God and I don't sense that Spirit. And I'm kind of doing my own thing. So I want to encourage you, just like the early church, just like those first followers who listened to the word and were spirit-driven, God is calling us to hear that word and to feel the power of God's spirit. So I'm going to bring you back to this verse and then I'm going to change it just a little bit. So Jesus speaks to Peter, what God has made clean, do not call common. In other words, don't have such a narrow view. How about for us? Jesus speaks to you and me. What God has made clean, do not call common. Now, what does that look like today? Well, as we talked about Peter, I think Peter had a narrow view. I mean, there were moments in Peter's life, this bold, brazen follower of Christ, where he was like, "Mm, I'm not so sure I want to do this. Because there was still this tension about 
you know, God's love and God's favor is upon God's chosen people. I believe that when people like you and me, like Peter, we hear the word of God and we're spirit driven, we start realizing that the good news of Jesus is for people like you and me and for every single person. If that is a truth, why is it that when Barna, we'll just use them as an example, they're a church research firm, and they go out into the community and they ask questions of all kinds of people, and they will ask people who are not churched, what do you think about the church? What do you think about the people who go to church? A lot of unchurched people will say this, and this is, this is sobering. They will say, one of the reasons why they do not connect or find the church to be relevant is because the church is judgmental. And I'm going to tell you, it, it is true. It is true. There are times when we, the church, are, are very judgmental. If somebody comes into our church, I remember, and I won't tell you which church it was because I've served several, but there were, there were times when I would talk to people after the fact and, you know, they've come to visit and then they didn't come back and I'd reach out, I'd send a message or whatever. They said one time they came in and they felt that they were being judged with the eyes of people. And it made me think back on the Saturday Night Live skit, the church lady, you know, I'm going to give you my best impression of the church lady. Okay. Well, isn't that special? Look who's here today. And they walk in the doors. And there's people. It doesn't have to be just church ladies. It could be church men. But we're just like, hmm, look at you. You don't look like me. You have gauges in your ears. Or you have all these certain kind of tattoos. Or, you know, you're just different that's what the unchurched is feeling about the church. And just so you know, Dana Carvey, who did the church lady, was Lutheran. He was a Lutheran. And he would go to church once in a while. And he would feel the judgment of the church. And I'm thinking, if only we would learn from Peter, if only we would understand that the Corneliuses of this world, who are different than us, need the gospel of Jesus. I think the kingdom would be furthered. I think more lives would be blessed. But we battle with it. My human sin is just like yours. Here's a list. And I believe this is really the word of God at its best. These are succinct phrases that you just heard Peter preach. And I do believe that if we really really begin to pray, Lord, let me know this Jesus more. Let me believe in this Jesus more. Let me live out this Jesus more. I believe we're going to be, as a church, more relevant in this world. Jesus, may your spirit convict me and convince me that you are the bringer of peace. Jesus, may your spirit Convict me and convince me that you're Lord of all, that you're anointed with spirit and power, that you're stronger than sin and Satan, that you were killed in spite of your goodness, that you have come alive from the dead and you were raised by God, and that you're the final judge of all people. Lord, may your spirit move within me. May I understand this more fully today and live it out in what I do. Not always easy. I'm going to give you an example, and this is, again, I'm not proud of this moment at all. Turn back the clock about five or six years ago. I got one of those emails. Maybe you've gotten an email from this young man who lives in Togo, Africa. He is coming to the States, and he's coming to Tucson, Arizona, and he is a Fulbright scholar and he has a connection with the Lutheran church, and he would like to find a church and get connected to the church. I, I'm sorry, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to reveal. As I'm reading this, there was a four-letter word that came to mind. 
Ron, do you know what it is? Okay, what do you think it is? You don't want to say it? I'll just say it. Scam. It's a scam. Somehow, someway, this person's going to take advantage of me. Or maybe this person, this is how, you know, I watch too much TV. Maybe this is a terrorist that's going to come into the country, and I'm going to aid and abet him in doing something bad. So I'm like, like this. I don't even want to respond it. I want to delete and kind of take a step back from it. But instead, I really believe the Holy Spirit prompted me and said, Jim, pray about this. So I did. And then I did a little bit of research. Then I thought, hmm, maybe if I call the University of Arizona, ask if there is a student that is coming from Togo that's a Fulbright scholarship, maybe it would legitimize it a little bit. And so they did. They just, they affirmed it. I mean, I Google searched his name, and and so I was getting this information. I'm thinking, okay. But I'm still thinking, scam. Something's not right with this. So finally, I I took a step of faith, and I wrote back, and I said, all right, here's what we'll do. As a church, we'll, we'll pay for three days of a hotel. That's all that we can promise to do. And, and he was appreciative of it. So here I am. It's a Saturday. I can't remember what time. It was 6 in, in the evening. Um, he's going to be flying into Tucson International Airport, and I'm going to go pick him up. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm I'm nervous. I'm thinking, what if this is something really, really bad? So I'm pulling up there, and uh, Tucson, I'll just tell you, it's a pretty white community. So here is this very black man standing outside of the terminal waiting to be picked up, and I knew that was Christian. So I pull, him, pull up, I come out, I greet him, help him with his uh, luggage, and we go, and uh, he hasn't eaten for a long time, so I, we stop and I get him a hot dog. First time he ate a hot dog. Interesting how we take those things for granted. And then I bring him to the hotel and he says, um, can I come to your church tomorrow? And I said, well, yeah, but you'll have to, I'll pick you up early because we have three services. And he says, okay, I'd like to come to all three services. And so he did that. And then afterward, I took him out for lunch just to talk with him a little bit more. And the more I got to know him, and after a little bit of time, there was somebody in the congregation that said, sure, he can stay here for a little bit. Well, the story gets a little bit more, where he has a wife and a son back in Togo that he'd like to bring over. Ultimately, I felt God wanted me to reach out even more. So talking to my wife, we invited him and his family to live with us for a year. Um, He knows Jesus now. He loves Jesus, um, even in spite of me. Now, I don't know what this means to you, but I do believe that God wants people like you and me to be ready to reach out to all people. Sometimes it's outside of our comfort zone. I don't think God is asking everybody to open up your house to somebody from Africa, but I do believe God is asking you and me to open up our hearts to all people. Everyone needs Jesus. In fact, when you look at this scripture from 1 Timothy 2, this good and pleasing and this is good and pleasing in the sight of God our savior, who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So what I'm going to ask you to do this week is just pray. Lord, who are you calling me to be a witness to? Who are the Corneliuses in this world, in our community, in my neighborhood, at my workplace, somebody who may be outside of the realm of what you're familiar with? Who am I supposed to share this message of Jesus with? Who am I to share the love of Christ with? And then as you pray, be attentive. I I believe God is going to tell you. God is going to lead you. And then I'll also tell you that God will give you the love and faith to do this so that the kingdom would be furthered. And we do this, 
right? Because we've been loved by God himself and we share this love with others. May God grant us such a faith to believe in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer this morning. Prayers for my mom and our family and friends as we cope with her cancer. Prayer for my dad's heart procedure this Tuesday for peace and trust in Jesus. Prayers for Sharon and Tony and family at the passing of her brother Sean. Wrap your loving arms around them and be with them while they grieve his loss. Prayers for Curtis and Sarah Hyland on the passing of Sarah's father. Prayers for my friend Kellen. His uncle Sean passed away this week. Father, I'm just thankful that I'm at church today so I can learn about God and come here with my family together. Prayers for my brother John, my brother-in-law Donnie, and my nephew Jefferson, who are all being deployed to Cuba for one year. Please keep my daughter Hope wrapped in your loving prayers as she patiently waits to be out of quarantine. Keep our whole family well. Prayers of thanks for all the prayers that were answered for, my, for Joe's searing. He is awake, eating, talking. Please continue prayers for his long road to full recovery. Prayers for our country. Prayers for our military. Prayers for our president. Thank you, Lord, for all the blessings, mercy, and grace you bestow on us, your children. Prayers for my sister-in-law who has severe health issues. Prayers needed for my daughter's health and spiritual welfare. Prayer for health. I am very weak and the disease is causing lots of fatigue and pain. God, help me remain strong and put my trust in you. Lord, prayers for my grandpa Steve that he feels better so we can spend time with him again. And God, please help everyone that is infected with the coronavirus and please send Jesus back to earth. Prayers for Cooper, for his foot to heal from last, sur last week's surgery. Prayers for a mom who is battling cancer and the surgeries she will undergo and that the end is soon and that she gets through it with her head held high. Prayers for our son to grow and continue in his health. Prayers for my dad to feel better and that his heart remains strong. Prayers for those who are anxious of trouble. Prayers for my family to stay healthy. Father, we just thank you for all these prayers. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that we uh, can listen to him in in and pay attention to the urges and calling that it puts upon us, that we just answer those urgings and, and calls to follow after him. We just thank you, Lord, for your son. And join me as we say the Lord's prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I invite you to take the elements out at this time. And uh, what I'll do is I'm going to begin by sharing with you the words of institution. It's, it's where Jesus started this precious meal. He was in that upper room with the disciples celebrating the Passover meal. But he gave that meal a whole new meaning significance. And as you hear these words, this is his instruction for you and for me. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, he took the cup after supper. And after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, 
which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. So if you would, take the bread, take and eat, and this is the body of Christ given for you. And then if you would, take the wine, the juice, the blood of Christ given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you, you continue to amaze all of us. The way in which you reach out and you, you bless us. We thank you for this meal. This meal given out of love and received by faith. We thank you for the gift that your son is truly present in this meal. We thank you for the gift that our sins are forgiven. We thank you for the gift that you remind us again that no matter what we go through in life, you are always with us. Father, your love is amazing. And we pray that having received this gift, it would empower us, Lord, to live as your children in the ways in which you want us to live, to be those kind of witnesses in this world. So thank you for loving us. Thank you for this gift. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
announcements. Yes. We have a lot of uh, Bible study, spiritual growth opportunities for you um, starting up year-round. Um, but right now we have a new uh, women's Bible study starting not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday, uh, women's group. Exploration just started this last Wednesday. And uh, the Life on Mission class that Katie and I are teaching will start this Wednesday. So if you want to jump in this week, you will have not missed anything. And the Life on Mission class isn't about adding something to your already busy life. It's uh, taking that, that mark of Jesus that we all have on us, with us, where we live, where we work, where we play. And so it's taking a look at being equipped to do that, to live a life on mission. Um, you can find all these different opportunities, spiritual growth opportunities, on our website, onecchurch.com. Click on Next Steps. You can find a group or register for an event. You can also um, find it on the Church Center app on your phone. You can also stop by Next Steps if you have any questions, and uh, we'd love to share your, more information with those to you. Good. Thank you. I'd like to invite you to stand as I share the blessing with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
and it's why 